Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It is Tuesday, which means it's time for the front three with me, Adam Bold, the one and only Dave O'Brien. Oh, yes. I thought you were going to start it with, are you ready to rumble? Introducing my first contender, Lawrence McKenna. Hi. <laughs> that was that was breathtaking. That yeah? is all I can say. Okay. Um, you can do away. all of the intros from now on. Um, Please maybe not. Please. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not on second thoughts. <laughs> um, guys, welcome to the front rings. Thank you very much for listening. We're here to talk about Roy Hodgson. We're here to talk about the Euro 2016 quarterfinals coming up this week. And of course, all the latest transfer news and all that good stuff. Let's start with Roy Hodgson. Though, Lawrence. Must um, we? <laughs> we must. Do we briefly. really care? <laughs> um, I do a little bit. I, I have to admit, uh, you know, it's, the, it's the, the morning after the night before when England were humiliatingly dumped out of Euro 2016 uh, after an insipid performance, I think we described it as last night. Uh, Roy Hodgson uh, sort of wheeled out in front of the media today, even though he's not the England manager any longer, as far as I know. Uh, and Roy Hodgson wasn't quite sure why. He came out and said, I don't know what I'm doing here, Lawrence. Now, a lot of people use that as a stick to beat him with. Um, do you have any sympathy for Roy Hodgson he was getting a little bit worked up in the press conference he was a little bit tetchy but you know is that misplaced is that you know unfair I, do any other managers have a, a post resignation press conference I don't think I've ever oh, seen no, a post resignation no. press conference it is a bit unusual it's like he's done his resignation thing that's what I'm saying like wh- wh- <laughs> why are you doing this like <laughs> it's just <laughs> weird People... His quote was, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I thought my statement last night was sufficient. Mm. I'm no longer the England manager. My time has gone. But I was told it was important that I appear here. I guess it's partly because people are smarting from the defeat last night that sort of leave the tournament. I suppose someone has to stand and take the slings and arrows that come with it. No, but that's the point. Like, There's so much uh, just nullifying of potentially awkward situations. Let them ask the questions. Let them throw those things. Because we're going to see what people were actually doing wrong. We're going to have questions asked. And the FA have put him out there to be the fall guy. 
it was a bit of a car crash, it has to be said. Um, a bit? <laughs> not, you know, I, I did feel a little bit sorry uh, for us, as you said, to, to be wheeled out there to sort of take the brunt of it. However, he was flanked um, by the, the FA CEO. Uh, let's find his name here. Martin Glenn. Ah, of course, executive. yes the Football uh, Association, who came out with uh, a rather brilliant quote of his own, um, which was that he's not a football expert. Brilliant. He, he said that twice, and he followed that with, of course, he will be on the three-man panel that chooses the next England manager, which was uh, oh, you know, just brilliant. Just <laughs> I just came out here to let everyone know that I'm no football expert, but uh, <laughs> I think it's probably best that I pick the next guy to uh, be the England manager. It's at a time like this where we need to be thinking with our pockets and our wallets, not with our heads like we need to. It all sort of, you know, Roy Hodgson didn't come off well, not only because of his, his the, the sort of attitude he brought to it, but also because he sort of said, you know, oh, these things happen and, you know, England will come good eventually. Those these things sort of, do happen. It, That's the whole point of tournament football. You can go yeah, out to a side like this. Roy Hodgson the same way. The last three times he sort of points to these, you know, oh, they, they almost feel like he's pointing to sort of like special circumstances. But his decisions and the way he has set up his team have led to those things ah yeah i mean definitely but i'm also (laughs) hearing very unusual things i mean do you see the quotes from the iceland players today come on hit me did you see i'm I'm bringing it up right now adam so fill a little more time um so uh let me find it it says ah here we go um so uh they iceland are not going to do anything in this competition which uh, euro 2016 player said that cristiano ronaldo correct now uh which player from iceland uh quoted Joe Hart in saying, "Come on, lads, we'll have to be better than this against France." Ooh, Sigthorsen. I don't know who I don't know who the Iceland player was, oh. but it was it was Joe Hart saying it. And then apparently Harry Kane in the uh, asked the referee when going out uh, for the second half, "Do we go out if we don't win this?" Are you mad? Yeah. What? Harry Kane. Come oh, on, Harry, you're better than you are better than that. Are you, though? It is. I mean, it is all thoroughly depressing, though, isn't it? Uh, you know, sort of seeing the farcical. It was like something from, uh, you know, the thick of it, when uh, you sort of see Roy Hodgson wheeled out there and just sort of how inept the the FA is, really. I mean, you were sort of pointing to the... You were sort of pointing to the, the arrogance uh, yesterday in England's failure, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although I don't... I don't necessarily agree. You sort of saying about how England sort of believes itself to be lovable in a way, and they, the, we, England wants everyone to like us. And I'm not sure I agree with that, but I would say arrogance is part of the problem. But when you see, okay, maybe not, again, maybe not. Okay, let's not say lovable, but let's say uh, righteous and right, and you know the people who are sort of who are always correct. So it's like there's well, a way yeah, of doing you... it. We made the rules for this game and we can fuck it up if we want. It's <laughs> a bad quote from Joe Hart there. You're talking about that there. You know, there's a story of Roy Hodgson going on this, this boat trip uh, instead of... Do you hear about this? No, these <laughs> are, I've missed a lot of this stuff. Go on, hit me. So apparently Roy Hodgson, uh, instead of going to see Iceland in the flesh, yep. uh, uh, he, which he had the opportunity to do, he decided to instead go on a boat tour of Paris. Um, because his assistant manager had never been to Paris. 
Brilliant. So they decided to go off gallivanting about. They clearly never seen Iceland either, but hey, <laughs> yeah. you know they sent their scouts, and you know uh, just that sort that's of story pathetic. in itself. Uh, yeah, but that's that just speaks to I think what Lawrence talked about yesterday. He's talking about the the arrogance of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it but it's also like- important. Yeah, but I mean that's also important to say. If you send a team of scouts, you'd imagine that that team of scouts should. It, we, we didn't employ Roy Hodgson yeah. for, the, for his eagle eye to be able to go to every game and and pick out the tactical intricacies of the other side. Yeah, but he should. No, but they knew, right? They knew. They knew that they were playing Iceland. Did they not play before Iceland? Um, they, they played before Iceland, so they had the opportunity to watch Iceland. Is that not absolutely mental? Yeah, but Dave, as a coach, you don't want to see what your opponent does. Yeah, but Dave, you've already bored yourself when... to death by watching your own team play. Could you want to go and see <laughs> two teams at a tournament? Do you want to go on a boat trip? Or do you want to go on a boat trip like... down what most people would say is the insane river, Dave? Hmm? Okay, I understand, Lawrence. The boat trip is more important than scouting. Yeah, well, it's also a nice piece of wordplay about the French River, but fair enough, Dave. And having the, uh, you know, having the chief executive out there from the FA, this Mayan Glenn guy sort of coming out with these quotes, again, it just highlights how inept the FA is. And you know, we're just going to have this inquest again. We're going to start talking about how oh, not enough English players play in the Premier League, not enough eligible to play. Is, is it only 30 35%? The English league doesn't have a winter break. The failures at grassroots, all this sort of stuff, and nothing's going to get done again because the FA are in charge. You just uh, you can't help help but feel there's this there's a culture of it's, it's like a culture of greed more than arrogance. It feels like not just at the FA, but just in, in English football in general. That's what it's all about. That seems to be what people are. Uh, the whole game is pointed towards essentially. And I think it's all reflected on the whole thing, right? You know, the the fella says he's not an expert. Roy Orson says he doesn't know why he's here. The players can't be bothered to do some running in a game of football. It's just systematic. It's a systematic failure of the whole institution. It just seems absolutely crazy that no one's come out there. And one, who's taken responsibility? Surely if you've selected this man to manage England for two tournaments, you've got some responsibility and you have some sort of accountability that you have to answer for. Have we heard any of that? Or have we heard finger pointing and blame to Roy Hodgson that's the thing because when did you know when Greg Dyke came in he sort of he sort of uh, he set up this commission and they were supposed to or they did really sort of you know point to the heart of what is wrong with English football and try and come over these initiatives have you read they that what, have you read that though have you read that document I have and it's, it's that big manifesto shit. Right? but it's why they they made all that effort and they spent all that money to try and investigate and they, they came up with these solutions which are just completely shouted down now you're saying to me, Dave, that they're shit. Mm. There's nothing. But, there wasn't anything there. There wasn't anything like we are going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. It was we need to technically we need to improve. There was no end <laughs> philosophy behind this thing. It's just a load of shit. It's like yeah, we need to get better, guys. So there were no tangible solutions. <laughs> yeah, I no. imagine them standing up and sort of going, <clears throat> "We need to get better at football." <laughs> well said well said and everyone just applauded and went brilliant we will say that to the public I feel like he did I'm not saying they were great ideas but he sort of you know oh we need B teams we do need to bring in B teams we need quotas yeah, for, that's, that's for English stupid. people things like that so why stupid. because the English system's never had B teams it works in Germany it works in Spain it works in other countries because that's inherently been in the game we have a very competitive yeah, Dave, football uh, league which should I don't, be I don't producing get, talent I, don't, I mean yeah I mean that's the point is that actually uh, that there is quite a deep football league. But some people would also point... I mean, most people aren't pointing to the problem of 
maybe the disjunction between the way the Premier League works and the way that the uh, England team work. But it tends That's to... why I feel like is the main... It felt like if people come up with these sort of solutions, they invariably tend to almost threaten the Premier League. They tend to like, not bite the hand that... What was that sentence? Yeah. Um, the hand just... that fucks. Yes. No one bites the hand that fucks, Adam. Exactly. No one bites the hand that fucks, guys. But, you know, when... Yeah. The FA has sort of completely failed to confront the Premier League or sort of deal with the... the it's, it is, to sound like Lawrence, to borrow a phrase from you, it's almost like rampant capitalism. Yeah, There's a lot of greed and corruption mm. at the heart of the game. And they've shown they have no ability to, to confront that. Because so, they were hamstrung. They hamstrung themselves years ago when they exactly. became complicit with it. And that's what's so depressing, that nothing will ever change because from 992... The FA and, and English football has got themselves in a situation where we're just sort of fucked now. <laughs> no, because, no, like, because stuff, no, because stuff can change. Like, because essentially there will be changes. And this is what's ironic, is that the people in Europe are making are trying to change the laws so that ouch. the rampant <laughs> capitalism which is uh, currently appearing in England may be curtailed in some way and will have some sort of control over the fat cats who are currently out of control. Now, there are a couple of guys at the top who are leading us the wrong way and some people might yeah. say they're lying to the public and trying to get them to, I don't know, to coin a phrase, vote out in some way. Or <laughs> if you will, Adam, that- in many ways, the Premier League took a Brexit from the rest <laughs> of football. Exactly. That's why it feels so depressing because of, you know, it's not just football, it's in, in, in politics now we see these people who sort of want the power, they want influence and they're trying to, they're, they're spreading these politics of greed almost. And like you said, they're going to lie and essentially disregard everyone else for their own sort of individual gain. And it feels like if that's, if that's society almost top to bottom now, we got ourselves in this, this mad situation, not just in football, but in, in England, in the UK, then how's anything ever going to change? So even on something called level, a revolution, Adam. What are you suggesting nowadays? <laughs> nothing, Adam. Absolutely nothing. Start a march tomorrow. <laughs> we're not going to Greg Dyke's house tonight, and we're not going to take a shit <laughs> in a bag, in a in a paper bag, set it on fire, and go run. <laughs> I definitely don't think that's the way that the revolution has started, but fair <laughs> enough. I was waiting to hear what Dave was going to say, and I was like, wow, that's... <laughs> Dave, this is really deep. <laughs> yes, you're right. I believe that Che Guevara was the first guy to take a shit in a bag and then throw it at the American president's door. Uh, oh. It's all just... That was, that was che Guevara used to just keep people up all night and fucking shoot them. He was a horrible bastard. I, uh, yes, but he was also a revolutionary, <laughs> Dave. Um, I also quite enjoyed Roy Hodgson's quote that he said earlier in the tournament where he said that someone would pay because he was like, we've been we've been <laughs> knocking on the door for the entire tournament and we're going to make someone pay soon. And then it was like, oh, God. They were just awful all tournament. And I know Roy's getting a lot of stick and he does deserve the criticism, but like we were sort of saying yesterday, the problem's bigger than him because uh, what was the, there was a mad stat during the round yesterday that uh, since... Supposedly, since 1966, when England won the World Cup, England have won six tournament knockout games since then. That's it. Germany have won six tournaments, full stop. So it's not just Roy Hodgson, although he is getting a lot of stick today. It's It was, it was the same with Capello, it was the same with Sven, as we were saying. It's just never-ending. Yeah, but Capello had some great ideas. They were just in, they were institutionally rejected by the England players. It was like... Uh, sorry, you can't have your phones. And the players were like, oh, God, we can't have our phones. And then they were like, well, you can't have any fun. And then they were like, oh, this isn't very English. 
Gaza wouldn't have wanted this. Where are the pipes? <laughs> everyone changes right. as if some because it, it, there's just this blind optimism and this sort of blind idea that it's like, oh well, as long as we uh, as long as we keep doing the same things, in the end, it'll all go well. Because people again falsely believe that England's England have gone down the right route in some ways for a while. God. Let's. Why don't we talk about some teams that are actually good and have sort no, of got Adam, their, why don't we their talk shit about together? Harry Redknapp. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> I don't think I could the talk King about Harry, who said the France have got no game changers. Bloody hell. Who also, also, who also said, said he, he has no faith in the FA uh, instilling someone else at the top. And that he, he somehow thought that installing Pardew and Allardyce, who were two experienced managers, as he says, was less scary than Sven Goran Eriksson. Holy smokes. Okay. It's another thoroughly depressing conversation, I think. But next England manager, then, it's all sort of been brought up today. Gareth Southgate is the front runner. Brilliant. Oh, my God. Have you watched the under 21s play football, Adam? He's the Messiah, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> he is the football <laughs> Messiah. Okay, that's why he's the front runner. <laughs> Next up, unbelievably, is Glenn Hoddle, as is the second favourite to, to be. Mean, do we remember? We do know that Glenn Hoddle's been England manager before, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, it's, it beggars belief. Um, then third is Eddie Howe, which I think is would be a, a more exciting appointment, but it feels unlikely. Why would he just? I don't know. I'd throw in the talus Bournemouth for for England. Yeah, why would uh, you leave a club that everyone loves you at? To yeah. go somewhere well, already, yeah. as well. He already did that once, didn't he? he? Went to Burnley, really didn't like it, didn't get on, and then went back to eventually ended up back at Bournemouth. So he's already made that mistake once. So it's unlikely to him for for him to make that mistake again, right? Yeah, mm. totally. Alan agree. Shearer, the fourth favourite, and Alan Pardew, the fifth. Literally, the no- just just the people who we can make <sighs> the most noise about. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but looking down the list of the first twenty or so. Uh, you know, sort of most likely candidates as the bookmakers have made them. I don't know if any of them make sense. The thing really. is, I don't understand why anyone is in any rush to. They say, they say they're going to appoint someone in six weeks. They say in six yeah. weeks. That's what the FA says, which yeah. means probably going to be Gareth Southgate. <laughs> no one wants <laughs> to go to the Russian. No one wants to go to the Russian World Cup anyway. Let's write that one off and spend a good few years just waiting. Hey, lads, would what, be... what, what do you reckon? Should we, should, we, should we put the front three forward to manage England? I reckon we're doing oh, that. Yeah, we sure. could talk about our little trifecta of, of management ability. Um, I, I don't know how good we'd be, <laughs> to be honest. I think we'd be fucking great, Adam. Uh, no need who to would, question that. Who, who would be just, you know, ideal, not realistic at all, who would be your ideal appointment, Dave? If money was no object, if contracts no object, Dave's going to say someone would be ideal? Jürgen Klopp. There we go. Interesting. A German. A German. No, actually, either Jürgen Klopp or, or Pochettino. Pochettino. Um, An Argentinian. <laughs> A personal upgrade. Um, then, I, I think that anyone, judging from the current media climate, anyone who's not English is going to get ripped apart. I wonder. They sort of he hinted today in the press conference um, that it might not be an Englishman. He takes over. He sort of raised that possibility, which I, I sort, of, sort of thought was off the table, essentially, after after Sven and Capello. Um, Sven was a fine England manager. He, just, he's, he fucked everyone. 
That was the problem with it. Yeah, in in many ways. Um, Claudio Ranieri, guys, I'm saying. Uh, Eventually, next season, maybe it all goes wrong. Bring him in as England manager. Ranieri could be in England. (laughs) Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him in England. It could be uh, a surprisingly popular point. Um, It looks like it will be Gareth Southgate, though. Thoroughly depressive. I think that's the thing. He should surely be interim manager. Right, allow him and Gary Neville to take charge of the squad for a little and while. They're just patsies, and they've got no, they've got no authority because everyone knows oh, these guys will be gone soon. You know what? What does it matter? <laughs> I just imagine Gareth Southgate walking into the dressing room the first time and just being like, "I'm sorry, listen, I'm sorry. All right, I missed that penalty." And everyone's like, "Gareth, stop talking about it." And he's like, "I know it's all that everyone's thinking about, though." And everyone's like, "Gareth, please forgive me, guys. Forgive me." He just—he's a lovely guy, and I've, you know. I think all of us have met him in real life and he's very nice. I just, I don't want Gareth Southgate to have the ire of the press on him. Poor, he's he's had enough. He's dealt with enough. Yeah, you've been through enough, mate. You sit down for a little while, all right? I don't, honestly think England should just take their time. (laughs) Oh, dear. Take Um, your time over it. What's what's the problem? Take their time. I would love to see it happen, Lance, um, but it won't, unfortunately. Um, let's move on to something more, more exciting, um, a bit more hopeful. Let's talk about some good teams, essentially. I'm looking forward to these games. The quarterfinals are coming up. Uh, some exciting fixtures. First up in the Euro 2016 quarterfinals is Poland versus Portugal on Thursday evening. Um, what are your thoughts going into this one, day? It's going to be a good game. I think both teams play very well, you know, Croatia, who were in some ways favourite for that side of the draw, um, really, really struggled against the Portuguese time team that was well organised and, and changed their shape twice. But both shapes are very good. I like their diamond in midfield. There's a lot of work. The, the four central midfielders that go in there put in a big good shift for them. Nani's looked all right. Ronaldo, uh, you know, wasn't the best against Croatia, but at the end of the day, came up trumps with with the goal. Um, you know, with the assist for the goal for Karesma. I just feel this Portuguese team could defend for a while. You know, William Carvalho really did a job on Rakitic, completely bullied him out of the game, especially in the first half. It just cut the flow to uh, Rakitic. And when Rakitic got on the ball, he was touch tight and put a tackle in and um, usually came away with the ball, distributed it to the left of the well. And then when you've got someone like Renato Sanchez on the bench, the 19 years old is as strong as an, is an, as an ox. So, so good on the ball, technically brilliant, really good at through balls. Um, good at beating a man. I loved his duel with Luka Modric. It was a, sort of a great battle. They were both... Um, going round each other and then taking each other out. It was just a great a great little spectacle to see. But I feel if Ronaldo and um, Sanchez get their communication a bit better, there were a few passes that Sanchez put um, into the channel where Ronaldo didn't go in for it. And then when he played cent- when he played the set ball central, Ronaldo went to the channel. So they need to get that communication right with those two. I think Renato Sanchez has to start against Poland. On the flip side of that, Poland, a team that have been very, very good at defensively in this tournament, they've... Defended well. Pazdan's been brilliant. Glick's been brilliant. Piszczek's been absolutely awesome. And then uh, Blaszczykowski has been, you know, had the tournament of his life, been directly involved in every single one of the, the three Poland goals so far. He's just been awesome on that right-hand side. And I feel that's where Poland's real strength is on the right. If they can get Lewandowski scoring, they can get him. He hasn't even had a shot on target yet. If they can get him anywhere near the goal um, and get him firing, they've got a very good chance against against um, Portugal. But I think Portugal edge, edge this one. Shakiri's. Uh... Pretty spectacular overhead kick. It's actually the only goal Poland have conceded in the tournament so far. Lawrence, as Dave says, they're, they're pretty solid defensively. Um, who are you tipping to go through? I'm going to go... Oof. 
be a mistake to go against Dave's dark horses, wouldn't it? But I'm going to go Poland, because I think it'll be the first game where Levin gets a little bit of space. Am I right in saying that the only shot on target Portugal had against Croatia was their goal? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I think so. The game, the game had no shots on target in normal time. So I imagine that would have been right. Um, I think I'm going to side with Lawrence and go for Poland. Right, see who it is, lads. Yes, you do, Dave. Yes, that's the nature of predicting. What about Friday? We've got Wales versus Belgium. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was all up for uh, cheering on Wales, the one home nation left in the competition. Love that that fucking video. Yeah, um, I didn't love it, I've got to say. I think I probably... uh, uh, I'm torn two ways. Does it matter to you, Lawrence, that the Wales team enjoyed seeing England dump out? They, I mean, they really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think they enjoyed it a little bit too much, didn't they? Yeah, just a, just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. That's not banter anymore, is it? They've crossed the line. I think Aaron, Aaron Ramsey is going to struggle to go back to Arsenal's side of London because he. De- I mean, the video, the video for me, the video just goes a bit far. It's a bit like, why are you that happy? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not that upset about it. Why are you that happy? Yeah, it was kind of. Everyone was just like, oh. yeah. I know. Yeah, it obviously was a very depressing video. But no one was really surprised. And, oh, you know, here we go again. But yeah, they were. They were really celebrating that. A lot of people in in TFR Towers thought that was fake today. They couldn't believe that the Wales team would you know go so overboard. How could they think celebrate? that was fake? I mean, sure. I mean, the, the Welsh players are in it. Are you saying it's like some sort of Snapchat story that's gone wrong? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's it's bizarre, really. But I mean, they are through to the quarterfinals, of course. They're, they're facing Belgium, Lawrence, um, mm. a team who sort of started to, to hit their groove somewhat um, after a, after a shaky start. Wales, of course, they they looked good against Russia, mm-hmm. um, although Russia were awful. Yes, Northern true. Ireland didn't really test them all that much. Mm-hmm. So, how do you expect them to fare against Belgium? Uh, good question. I think uh, that one's a hard one because I, I genuinely think Belgium are uh, against Wales. They're gonna Wales are gonna struggle in midfield to counter what uh, Belgium have. Wales have not faced a side. Wales haven't faced a side where I think they've been challenged in midfield properly yet, and I think for that reason. I think Belgium will go through because I think they'll control the, the the sort of the attacking midfield area. There's only so long Ashley Williams can hold out. Mm. Of course, Wales did beat Belgium in qualifying. Dave has to be said, but you know that they, they sort of stifled Eden Hazard there, and he's sort of coming to the fore now. He's finally found a bit of form um, in the last few months. Uh, amazingly, uh, who are you tipping? I think Wales are going to beat Belgium. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, th- I think that Belgium have still got the inherent issues that they are very, but they'll be exposed to the counter attack. And if Wales play this right and sort of let sit deep and, and hit Belgium on the break, they're in for a, you know, Belgium will be in for an absolute shock. The wide players don't trap back. It's a very disjoint team. Four, four up front, six in mid, six at the back and in midfield. Still very disjoint. You know, the, the result against Hungary, yeah, they beat them 4-0, but up until 78 minutes, Hungary were brilliant. Hungary put in a really, really good performance and were unlucky to get a goal and were unlucky, unlucky to get beat 
um, 4-0. It was it was great to see Hungary in this tournament. You know, we we wrote them off. Everyone in the world wrote them off. But it's it's good to see a team that with such history with the likes of Pushkas and the, the 90s, uh, 1950s uh, Wunderbar team uh, that came over and trounced England 6-3. I feel that it's it's good to see Hungarian football hopefully coming back onto uh, you know as an uphill climb in a way, and hopefully that can inspire some. Young kids on the streets of, Bed- of Budapest. Adam, obviously, you were there. Did you see anyone playing football out there? Um, no, actually, I don't Fair think enough. I did. That's a shame. But yeah, no, I hope it does um, inspire. So they're not, they've they're not inspired you. anyone then. No Nobody, one. Yeah, no one is not hungry inspired. fans. A lot of hungry shirts, even though they weren't playing on on, on the day I was there. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I do find it. Um, I mean, I find the pre-season, the pre-tournament predictions, a little bit weird at this point. Because you sort of go, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. But looking they at that team, <laughs> looking at that team on paper, I mean, that, that, yeah, but that's fine. That's the whole point of pre pre tournament yeah. predictions. Is like we've not seen them play at the tournament yet. So mm. how are you supposed to know how they're going to play? I don't necessarily think anyone wrote them off. I think it's just more that people sort of said, if you look at that team on paper compared to the other sides, those other sides, even in qualifying, are, are sides that you think can beat Hungary. And Hungary have sort of, I guess, played up to that and done that pretty well. I think some other sides probably underestimated. Belgium have uh, hit eight goals without reply. Again, back to us. Uh, they've hit eight goals without reply in the last three games, which doesn't bode well. You're going for Wales, though, Dave. Lawrence, you're going for Belgium. Yeah, I'm going for Belgium, although uh, apparently <coughs> Neanderland smokes, so I'm sort of against that. Does he now? Well, apparently what, Mark Wilmot says... What, 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 Mark, Mark Milmot says, yeah. um, oh, did you know that uh, I have to give him a window room? Because then he can, eat, uh, or a balcony room, because then he can smoke on the balcony or out the window. That is a top-notch athlete, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Having a fig before the game. There's not enough. Um, there's not enough top athletes that smoke. England yeah. need a top athlete that smokes. If we had a top athlete that smokes, even on the mm. sly, and maybe mm. dug things out of bins around the Jack back of a, Wilshire, a club, mate. Uh, Jack Wilshere would be included in the England squad if he did that. That would be outrageous to include Jack Wilshere in the England squad on the current form and for saying that he was barely playing during the season. You'd have to be a mentalist to do that. <laughs> I'm going to go for Wales for the sole reason that Raja Nangolan smokes. And I believe that will be the decisive factor in this game. <laughs> He's going to be trying to him Gareth puffed Bale. out by the end He's of the game. Slightly, yeah. yeah, Gareth Bale is going to be through on goal and Nangolan's going to be like puffed out, won't be able to, to get back to tackle him. It's happening. Watch that happen and uh, thank me later when you put on your bets. Um, moving on to perhaps the biggest game of the quarterfinals, Germany v. Italy. Uh, Germany, of course, stopped their group without conceding a single goal. Um, Italy have been, well, after that first game, they, they sort of burst onto the scene and sort of took a few people by surprise because people were sort of down them as, we, as we've talked about. A great performance against Spain, though, and people are saying the winner of this game could go on to win the whole thing. I mean, what do you reckon, Lawrence? Who, who are you tipping? I'm going to say, oh, God. You know what? Da, 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 da. I'm going to go Germany. I think Germany are going to go. You're going to go Germany? Yeah, I think both teams are solid defensively. But ah, I think Germany are going to have that edge going forward, which is going to see them through, see them past Italy. Yeah, because I, I think there'll be a draw in normal time. I think it'll go to extra time. God, imagine that on penalties. The Germany, Germans, Germany will win that. Um, the, yeah, I think Germany will just about squeeze through. There is a little bit of belief, though, in in this in this Italian team now that they've gone through against Spain. I mean, there's that element of um, 
there's that element of sort of superstition around the side. People don't like to speak them up too much in Italy. Um, mm. And then, you know, now they're beginning to perform. I think they're grow, they've grown into the tournament. And people in Italy now sort of say, oh, well, now we could get it. But mm. then I think it was De Rossi was reported to have limped out of the game the other day and limped out uh, through the press zone. And then obviously uh, Motta is suspended. So it does leave them with a bit of a midfield tr- uh, problem there. So I'm going to say Germany because I think uh, Italy's, you know, Italy's midfield may struggle overall against this side, especially if De Rossi and Motta aren't playing. And Motta definitely isn't because he's suspended. Uh, really, uh, if you listen to a number of European podcasts, then you'll know a really good one is uh, Football Weekly. And uh, obviously they've got not, not only James Richardson, who's an Italian expert, but also... Oh, what is his name? James Horncastle. James Horncastle. Good old Horno. And he... No one calls him that. And um, he was saying the other day <laughs> how uh, he, he'd spoken to uh, Conte and Conte had said he was never particularly... He never felt he was a particularly good footballer. And there, it was very often that he would spend a couple of seconds on the ball and then the, the crowd would begin to boo him. And as the crowd began to boo him, you know, he'd sort of lose his head a little bit and he may would, maybe he would end up making a poor decision. So what he likes to do is brief his players and essentially give them outs... And uh, what he was saying was that you could see that in this Italian side that, you know, they breathe together and they sort of they know where the ball needs to go. And essentially they were playing almost without looking at each other. And they said mm. that's something that, that is a very Conte uh, element to this side. And that, you know, whilst it doesn't lead them to be particularly charismatic at times or sort of pragmatic, it does mean that, uh, that they're incredibly efficient. And, and while they do know each other well, it means they have a lot of faith in the system. Uh, having said that, I think Germany will go through. On the plus side for Italy, as well as uh, as Conte's genius, Germany have never beaten Italy at a major tournament. Ooh. Never. They've drawn four and lost four. Why didn't you tell me that uh, before, mate? Well, you know, uh, the past can only somewhat inform the future, but what more informs the future is the present. Good. Is that saying or something? I Not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, what do you reckon? Does the past or the present influence you more? It's going to be a big, big game, especially that. I think that central midfield uh, issue is going to be a big one for Italy. There's no one really in the squad that can sit there. Maybe Storaro, but again, he's more of a, a shuttler than someone can, that can sit in front of a back four. So Parolo, again, he's very, you know, more offensive midfielder. And same with Giacarini. So I think that's going to be an issue. Whether they're going to go outside the box and play someone like Benucci there, maybe, or <laughs> Matteo Damian, you know, really go outside the box. But it's going to be a big decision that um, is going to have to be made by Conte. For me, I think Germany are going to be too good. I think that Spain got caught out because they weren't very efficient in how they were pressurizing the Italian back three, thus giving the Italians uh, easy out balls from. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. From goal kicks. Um, I feel that Germany aren't going to be like that. I feel like Germany can be deal with uh, Pella and Edda, their centre-backs. Um, I think they, they'll be suited more to play um, those two, you know, the likes of. Um, Jordan Boateng and Matt Hummels I think they'll be more suited to face them than uh, PK and Ramos PK and Ramos are, are a little bit too rash whereas I feel that Boateng and Hummels will sit off a little bit more then they've got better quality from fullback as well Hector and um, the fella that plays uh, Kimmich have had great two have had great tournaments going forward Julian Draxler as well you know when they played Spain there was no one really running at them um, no one really drawing people in. You saw Julian Draxler against Slovakia was absolutely awesome at that. Completed eight take-ons um, in the game. It was something like six more than any other player on the pitch. It was an insane. Um, and his assist for the goal was brilliant. I feel like he'll, he could be the the player, the X factor that Germany need to sort of unlock this deep Italian defence. And also you've still got runners in there. If they do need to go route one, they've got Mario Gomez and Thomas Muller. Um, so they can pack the box if, if needs be. And Julian Draxler, again, isn't the smallest lad. He's a big chap. I think he's 6'2". So I feel like Germany have just got so much variation in their attack that I think they will find a way to get through this Italian side. But this Italian side's done so well already. We're all going for Germany then. Interesting one. Uh, Germany going through our pick. Finally, we come to France versus Iceland. Now, this is an interesting one because we've got France, a team that I don't want to say they've underachieved, but maybe underperformed slightly. Um, there's been a few sort of late goals that have flattered some of their their games. And of course, you know, going behind to Ireland, they were on the ropes until Griezmann sort of stepped up. You know, th- th- there's question marks over this team, essentially. Whereas you look at Iceland, who have, have massively overachieved, you know, dumped out England, of course, last night. I, which makes me think it's a tough one to call. I know France are obviously their favourites on paper. What do you reckon, Dave? I think it's if, if Griezmann plays off Olivier Giroud, it's definitely going to be France. Um, I think that that's that's the the different that's the fact the factor there that could really change this game. But if they don't and they play that four three three, Iceland could beat them very easily. You know the similar way how they beat England with some lovely passing football for one of the goals, but then just a long throw. Long throws are simple to defend when you you know they're coming. England looked like they were underprepared for that situation. Will France be maybe as well? Um, it's going to be a big question in central midfield. Who do they go for, Matuidi, Pogba, or um, Kante, Pogba? Probably will be Matuidi, Pogba, I think. But then to do that with uh, Griezmann in attacking midfield, they've got to be wary of um, if one of them presses or one of them goes, the other one has to sit. They need that relationship to be alive. Patrice Evra looked a lot better when Matuidi was playing left central uh, midfield, especially in that second half, it looked like he was covering a bit, bit better. So I think there's there's a lot of questions for this French team, but Deschamps has got to make these calls. I think Dimitri Payet as well potentially has got to go on the right. He's a little bit too one-dimensional on the left-hand side. Um, and then again, Anthony Martial has to start for me. Uh, he, he, he just gives he would give France a lot more. And again, Kingsley Coman came on. It was Kingsley Coman who's flash who does the tricks. 
but doesn't do it in the final third or doesn't really make things happen. So I think it's got to be Anthony Martial, Payet, Griezmann, off Olivier Giroud, Pogba, Matuidi in midfield and then the back four and keeper that's been for the whole tournament. And that'll, that'll, that'll beat this Iceland team. 1992, Denmark. 2004, Ooh. Greece. 2016... Ooh. Hello, Wales. No, Iceland. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Do you think they can do it, Lawrence? I think because of the curse of the 12s, yes. Yes. I am with you 100%. Good. Could it be Iceland? Could it be Poland? Could it be Portugal? Uh, A Portugal underdog enough? Uh, They are. Count? uh, Kind of. (laughs) I don't, think they count. I don't think even Poland count. I think if Wales or Iceland win, they they count. Okay. It's continuing the... Did you say curse? Is that the way you said it? Uh, sort of. <laughs> the What's a nicer word? aware of it. Curse? Uh, just the... The, uh, the luck of the pattern. 12. The pattern. Trend. Um, so there you have it. We're divided on a lot of these games. Um, but I think they're going to be fascinating nonetheless. I think the tournament is is getting better as it goes along. Essentially, who, who's so. gone out that you miss already? Like um, you know, who's been the of all the twenty four? Because we're now down. We've got a third of those now. Who do we yeah. miss? Not England. No, not um, England. No, mate. Definitely not England. Don't miss them. What Croatia were good. Croatia were a good uh, side. Yeah, I was disappointed that they didn't. <sighs> Disappointed by them, to be honest, because I thought Port- they'd, they'd have too much for Portugal. Um, obviously not. Uh, Ireland, I'm sad to see Ireland go, of course. Yeah. Um, they, they they were going so well in their game as well. It was all going swimmingly. and then Such also- high expectations for Austria. Yeah, Austria. I don't know if I'm sad to see them go, though, because I, I don't know how much they offered. Um, I don't know if I'm... Yeah, apart from Ireland, I guess. Um, maybe Croatia. I don't know how sad I am to see another team go, because I didn't see... Anything that maybe missed them, essentially. Albania gave France a run for their money. Yeah, I'm glad Will Griggs has finally been put out. You know, he's been on fire for a bit. He must eventually get a bit sick of being on fire, right? Can't do any, any normal things. Walk Did around the house. Play? Go Did and make play? some toast. I've already burnt the toast. Yeah, poor fella. Mm. I wish. Did, Did you think play at all? No. <laughs> do you think there's any sort of worry <laughs> that? Do you think there's a worry that Will Grigg will sort of be cursed by this because? You know, yes. <laughs> yeah. Did he? He didn't play a single minute. Is that what we're saying? Um, hold on. Not as far as I remember. Well, I I don't remember Will Griggs being on the pitch. Will Griggs did not play a single minute. I think you'd remember yet, that on Twitter, got, wouldn't you? You remember on Twitter got, when he yeah, actually when he came, came on. on. I just today I saw Will Griggs everywhere. I assume he played for like a minute or something. That's hilarious. He didn't get. <laughs> Uh, he, apparently he got the, he still got the biggest reception back in Belfast though when they all came back <laughs> he of course got he did. mediocre uh, <laughs> oh, mediocre well, great. Uh, I don't know I mean uh, yeah I know no, why it spread he failed to make a single appearance at the Euros there you go jeez the curse of the Will Griggs song he's still young yeah. enough to be able to appear at the next Euros though so oh yeah um, with that then let's move on to a little bit of transfer news and the like uh, that's been going on today and this week. Um, first up, Sado Mane has left Liverpool. Sorry, 
Sorry. He hasn't left Liverpool, guys. He, he's left Southampton. I thought you were coming out with some really bad news then. <laughs> yeah, he joined today. It's all over, lads. It's all over. No, he's, of course, left Southampton for Liverpool. Um, the fee is £34 million, reportedly. Roughly. Now, uh, some chatter about this this move on. It's being somewhat overpriced. People saying, you know, God, if, if, if Mane's worth that much, if he's worth... 34, how much is Mahrez worth, all this sort of stuff. Do you think it's a good move for Liverpool? Are you excited to see him at Anfield? I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I am a little bit excited to see him at Anfield um, because, you know, he's an exciting player. What I am, I mean, he's not, it's, Senegalese players haven't set the world alight at Anfield before. Um, I mean, apart from Troy Ore, who of course won a Champions League with Liverpool, um, but they have hardly set the world alight. So it's a little bit worrying to sort of think, you know, what's this next Senegalese player going to do? Uh, however, let's not judge him before he's even here. He's worth much more than a mediocrely priced Senegalese player who's just had one good tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, he fits into the Klopp system. Klopp had apparently told him he was very welcome and they wanted him to play at Liverpool. And he instantly said yes. Um, mm. And, you know, I think Liverpool offered the right amount. I just, you know, uh, Klopp must have really badly wanted him because what's the point in bringing in another winger that you just won't end up playing they've got some guys who are reasonable in that position already why not why would you go for someone else I think he is going to bring another option to Liverpool you know I think the biggest question is that price tag Um, and obviously that means that there's a couple of other players who may be leaving Liverpool maybe it means that the likes of I will be allowed to go Um, you know are we looking at a new destination for Lallana or maybe another creative player a bit further back that maybe allows Klopp to play someone a bit further up, like a Joe Allen, who's apparently already been subject to an £8 million bid from Swansea. And then Lucas, of course, who's not really a, 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 an advanced player, but apparently will be allowed to leave in Anfield this summer. Where do you think uh, Mane could fit in uh, among Liverpool's attacking options, Dave? Because, of course, he's a player who was linked for, with Manchester United for a long time as well. Yeah, I think it's it's where it's what Liverpool go with next season because they've got quite a lot of talent attacking midfield. I feel that yeah, there is going to be some movement out of Liverpool whether Lalana does go or you know who they they get rid of someone else or even Coutinho leaves. You know that could still happen. You know had a, a pretty decent copper scored that hat trick. So there's still going to be clubs around there. PSG have obviously been linked with him in the past. But I feel that he, Mane's, uh, you've got to play him. Um, I feel that you've got to be at attacking midfield or on the left, on the right, whatever. He's just got to be in the team. I think you've got to play Mane um, in different positions against different opposition. Uh, different opposition. You, know, you know that their left-back's a bit of a slouch. Play Mane on the uh, right-hand side. If their left-back's a slouch, you know, flip it around. You know what I mean? Or attack a midfield. If there's an option there for um, Liverpool to play direct, play with, you know, for example, Origi. Um, so play, you know, Lovren to Origi very straight and then have uh, Mane running off there. That's another very good option. What he is, he's a talented, talented player and can finish, can create something out of nothing. So Liverpool have got a really, really good player there. I think it's, it's, it sounds like Liverpool fans are a bit, in a way, upset about this signing. Oh, it was too much money, but that's the market. You forget that, the, what is he, 24 years old? I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're that. upset. I do, I do think, though, he doesn't sort of fit uh, maybe what people are expecting Klopp to sign because, you know, they looked at what was done at Dortmund and all those kind of things and maybe he doesn't fit that exact ilk of player. A young uh, player that presses that's very good on the counter-attack that's good with the ball at his feet he, for me he's the perfect Klopp player just because Klopp's not can no longer go and fish 
um, Eastern no. Europe for, for stars, but it, it, this is going to how it's going to be. I think that exactly. Liverpool, I, I think, go for it. I think be... Liverpool have always sort of struggled with audacious strikers when they've come in because they've they've always sort of thought, okay, well you've got big boots to fill at this club. And I know he's not necessarily a striker, but you know there there are some players at the club who have struggled because of this. You know, in recent years we've seen Ryan Barbel. Um, you know, before that there were players like Steve McManaman. Liverpool before that had a great generation or bought in a great generation, the likes of John Barnes, uh, Peter Beardsley, those kind of guys who all played in essentially that generation's version of this position. And, you know, those guys are fantastic. I always just think it, there's a sense when you get to Anfield of, right, go on then live up to what the expectations are. And I think people always reserve judgment at this point um, because in previous years they've been disappointed by some of the guys that have been in that position. I think that's why. It's not necessarily that people are sort of um, disappointed. I think it's that in many ways people want to reserve judgment at this point because a lot of people have also been made to look a bit stupid by some of their predictions sometimes. I think I think with, with that as well in terms of where Mane's progression has come, going with Real Salzburg, then to Southampton, then to Liverpool. He's, he's played in the Premier League before, hasn't he? And I think that's a big thing that puts the value up because he played in the Premier League. There's no uh, there's no time for adjustment. And one big thing that Liverpool are going to get from that is um, potentially six points against Southampton because last season in the Premier League, he scored one um, to draw the game uh, away from him, I think, and then he scored two at St Mary's that won the Southampton the three points. So Absolutely. there's there's some instant points that Liverpool are going to pick up. You know, Sado Mane is a player that decide to turn well especially at Southampton turned up in the bigger games whether he's going to translate that to um, less sporadic form at Liverpool where he's every week he's causing teams issues then that might work but at the moment it was the bigger games because he wanted that big move and that is the other question Liverpool fans have got to ask is this just a stepping stone to the likes of Real Madrid to the likes of Barcelona or the likes you, of you know maybe Manchester City ooh did you know the Liverpool have paid Southampton £92 million since 2013. At that time, they've gone from second to eighth. Eh? Yes. Eh? Direct hey, correlation. Direct correlation. Yeah, there is um, definitely, it's definitely down to the spending <laughs> and not the, not the turnover of managers, etc., etc., yeah. or yeah, yeah. The, the writing of a club that was... Glad um, you've finally seen the Lyle Um On Southampton, though, of course, this follows uh, Victor Wanyama leaving last week and, of course, uh, Ronald Koeman departing the club. Do you think this is a worrying sign for, for Southampton, Dave, or is this the same as last time this happened when Pochettino left and a raft of their talented young players also departed the... They're going to rebuild from this and they're going to come back. If not stronger, then, you know, they're going, to, they're going to be able to sustain their current level of success. Yeah, they always have a plan at Southampton and that's why the club's been run so well. They'll be fine with this. This is fine. This is a standard summer for Southampton. They have already oh. planned what they're going to get. They've already signed Nathan Redmond, a, a decent enough replacement for Sadio Mane. You know, a young English Nathan player that, that could give... Yeah, it's a different replacement. I think that's the thing. It's Southampton don't replace like for like. Um, Geordie Classy came in when um, uh, Morgan Schneider went to Manchester United very different player um, Mane's an attacker a forward uh, Nathan Rembrandt's a winger they're, 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 they're replacing it with a different player which is a good thing because that means the side moves on and the next manager that comes in has different tools so therefore potentially can't be judged on the same light as the previous manager which again is quite a good thing for their system so I, I, don't, I don't worry for Southampton at all I think they are absolutely fine yeah exactly We've been tracking Mane since the Olympics in 2012 or something. Tracking him down. Um, speaking of Mane and, and sort of inflated fees we mentioned there, Crystal Palace have reportedly agreed a £31.6 million fee with Marseille for the Belgium striker Michi Batshuayi. 
the game, yeah. the name that everyone struggles to say. Can I just say one yeah. final thing about that? Mane is going to fit in just fine in Liverpool because you know the way that they say names in Liverpool is, oh, you know, ah, uh, Dave, you know, ah, uh, Adam, and this guy is going to bring a top class label name to the city, Armane. Armane. Very good. Very good. I love it. And now it's Arbashuari. Bashuari. Bashuari. He's going down South London. Bashuari. Bashuari. I mean, he's not agreed terms, and it it doesn't sound like he's particularly aware of the deal, but I think think everyone else has agreed. But he (laughs) reportedly is yet to decide on where he's going to go because West Ham are interested, Juventus are interested, Spurs said to be interested. It sounds like, you know, everyone will have to sort of match this bid of 38 million euros, 40 million euros, and then he'll sort of decide his future. Um, it's hard to see him wanting to go to Palace over, say, Juventus, West Ham or Spurs, for example. But it does, again, speak to that point we were talking about a few weeks ago with, with Troy Deeney and even with Mane today about the, the amount of money these Premier League clubs have now. I mean, we're talking about Crystal Palace. They're also looking to try and sign Steve Mandanda, apparently, and also uh, Andros Townsend. They've apparently activated his £13 million release clause. So it's going to be a mad summer. I mean, we used to talk about the big clubs splashing the cash, but everyone is going to be uh, going to town, it seems. Um, I mean, uh, Palace are close to agreeing a deal on Mandanda, yeah, on a free transfer, although Chelsea remain interested. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be mad. It is is a pretty fascinating summer, isn't it? Yeah, just everyone's got the, the muscle, everyone's got the the cash to, to spend big. So just like last year when we saw, you know, it's incredibly competitive league and anyone could beat anyone. And it was so crazy. Well, it's not well, only that. I, I mean, we are, we're talking as if, you know, it's only the Premier League competing with the Premier League. There are loads of other teams. Like you say, Juventus are in for a lot of these sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, Unai Emery's probably going to do somewhat of a rebuilding job now he's been installed at PSG. Yes. Yes, he's uh, officially taken over today. He's been pictured holding that shirt up. Um, that beautiful I mean, new shirt. And then, of course, there's also the movement of uh, one striker who's refused to sign a contract. Who is that? Iguane. Ah. Gonzalo. That's Gonzalo, another one. Adam. Yeah. Gonzalo, Gonzalo Iguane. Well, his agent has come out and sort of said he's refusing to sign a new contract he believed or you know when he joined the club he was sold the promise of Champions League titles Serie A titles his agents sort of come out and said you know that's that <laughs> he went, Napoli you're at Napoli mate like you do <laughs> come on mate get real uh, yeah but so surely then he should be contributing to that more than he has done if he wants to win the Champions League he should go, he's got to fire his team to the Champions League I mean, right? to be fair Dave he has scored quite a few goals <laughs> So he did. He's got, he did score quite a few goals, but it just seems a really weird one. Like, yeah, he's got a record number me. of they goals. Me. We were going to win the Champions League, and they lied. Kante, he's done what he can. He's his contract runs out in 2018. He's not signing a new one, so maybe there could be a big bid for him this summer. Maybe he could stay for one more year. I think he's courting. Yes. I think they're definitely courting interest to see whether maybe Napoli will uh, maybe improve his terms at the club and whether Napoli will also be looking to bid on other people and bring in some other big names to go alongside him. Of course, you know, I know he missed some chance at Copa America, but at the same time, he showed a lot of quality while he was there as well. I do wonder if his time for a big money move has gone, though. He's going to be 29 this year, and, you know, we always saw him linked to Arsenal for, for the last few seasons. Maybe 
if he's going to cost 50, 60 million, that, that time may have been gone. You know, there's, there's younger strikers in the market that I think, you know, maybe provide more value. So I'm not quite sure if we'll see a big move happen, but um, looks like he might not be in Napoli for, for the long term, at least. Um, what about Henrik Mkhitaryan? Dave, he's apparently set to join Manchester United. They've upped their offer. The Dortmund CEO has come out and said, you know, the situation has changed. Looks like the Armenian is going to be moving to the Premier League club. About 30 million is the report. Uh, 27 years old, obviously um, a highly regarded player. Um, do you think he's going to fit in well at Manchester United? Hmm. You know, first, before we even get into the player, I can't wait to, to listen to how the Manx are going to pr- pronounce Nick Tyrion, it's going to be brilliant. You know, after Nick uh, surely Dave, you just said it. Tony Tony Marshall, um, and then it's, you know, it's, it's just yeah. I think it's just going to be it's going to be a, a struggle for some of the lads. Be, yeah, probably Mickey T or something like that. But no, he's yes. he's a fantastic player, a creative player that United need. Um, someone that can play right wing, that gives pace to the side, can also play through the middle. So a lot of variation in where he can play, can score goals, can get assists, you know, 15 assists in the Bundesliga, four more than any other player, scored 11 goals as well. Three of those goals coming on the counter-attack. So he's a player that is geared to playing on the break. You look at all the goals he scored at Shakhtar Nets that season, a lot of them were him being played clean through on goal and finishing um, following a counter-attack. So he's a player that will fit Mourinho down to a tee, works very hard, but what he can be is a bit frustrating. Um, there was a game against Arsenal in the Champions League I remember where he must have had six shots on goal and three or four of them were two, three, four, five yards out and he whistled them over the bar so he has that sort of flip to him sometimes he can be brilliant sometimes he can be a bit frustrating but you know hopefully Manchester United fans have learned a little bit with Angel Di Maria and uh, Memphis Depay that you've got to wait a little bit for some of these players to get adjusted because again McTyrian went to Brussels Dortmund he had a pretty poor first season second season he was awesome there's a bit of patience that's needed from Manchester United fans or, you know, it's going to be a flop of a signing again. Elsewhere, Hulk, he's on his way to China, apparently. 55 okay. million euros, I'm going to say. Kind of, kind of makes uh, a bit of sense, that, because he was, he was um, in the J-League before, I'm pretty sure. Right. So he used to play, yeah, he used to play uh, in the J-League for a number of teams to... Um, Tokyo Verdi was probably the most known team that we've probably heard of. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. He's been at Zenit since 2012. He's never had that big move to the Premier League. So why not? Why uh, not go to China? Why not cash in? Roma are closing on Pablo Zabaleta. Looks like he's finally going to leave Manchester City. Uh, Dani Alves has finally moved to Juventus. That move's finally been confirmed. Good for him. He, he looks good in the Juventus uh, stadium. He was pictured yeah. in the Juventus stadium today, wasn't he? A nice, nice suit on, didn't he? Nice. Uh, yeah. sort of, oh, He's going to look good in that kit. I'm happy for him. Uh, Inter Milan are preparing another move for Yaya Toure. That one's been in the offing for good for them for years, it seems. Uh, and finally, Robbie Brady's in talks with Leicester. I like that. Good lad. The Irish hero. He's the next uh, uh, Jamie Vardy. The next Jamie Vardy. Um, let's bring it to an end there, then, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to The Front Three. Do remember, tweet your questions, tweet your thoughts at The Front Three on Twitter. You can also submit your reviews on iTunes. There should be a handy little link in the description of this podcast. Just click away and leave us either a one or five-star review or anything in between. Just tell us why you enjoy listening to the podcast. Uh, The best one will get read out on The Front Three. For now, though, um, that's goodbye, Lawrence. I think it is goodbye. Thursday night after the first of those quarterfinals. 
we might do a cheeky Q&A, but let's see. Ooh, la la. Might do a cheeky, okay. and we might summarise, we might, yeah, the, uh, the stuff maybe. Ooh, it's broken up. <laughs> oh. What was that? That was um, Eric Bay running on a treadmill saying, wow. can't wait to start as a red devil. Bang, Twitter news. Let me, um, before we go, let me tell you my little story. Of, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah this bit's good. This bit's good. Everyone quiet, everyone it's not quiet. Good. Um, so I was going to a stag do this weekend. It was my cousin's stag do. We were going to Budapest. As you know, I've been talking about so wandering the streets there. Great time, had a great time. But on Thursday, we were departing course there were the storms in the evening and that, that night i was getting prepared uh you know trying to download some movies for the for the plane that sort of stuff what, Doing movies, a bit did of work you get? what well. movies did you get um i tried to get creed the new rocky movie ah yes and you know doing a bit of work making sure everything was in order for tfr for my, my four-day absence and by the time i'd saw you know got to bed it was about 3 a.m and I had to get up at 6 a.m because i was going to vote in the referendum you know at 7 a.m to get my train all this sort of stuff so 3 a.m. bed, 6 a.m. I'm going to wake up. Three hours of much needed, but, you know, not really enough sleep. So anyway, go to bed at 3 a.m., head hits the pillow. Um, my eyes are closed for not 10 minutes. Yeah. And I hear a squeak. No. Squeak. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what's going on here? My girlfriend's like, go back to sleep. It's nothing. No sooner does she say that, a mouse runs in from under the bedroom door to under the bed. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I was freaking out. I'm not going to lie to you. I let out uh, a scream, uh, <laughs> a high pitched yet manly scream. Uh, jumped out fart. of bed. Okay. Onto the floor. <laughs> okay. And I jumped on the floor. That obviously startled another mouse who ran in from under the door to under the bed. Oh. So that's two mice under the bed. I'm freaking out. My girlfriend's freaking out. She's screaming. What's going on? I think I see another mouse. I'm like, what the hell? It's like an infestation. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So. At that point, it's you know twenty past three, whatever. I'm like, what? What do I do? What do I do here? You clean do your I house, try- you filthy bastard. Well, <laughs> come to that. So, it's three a.m. Whatever. I'm like, what do I do here? Do I try and go to bed with three potentially three mice under the bed? Do I try and I don't know sleep in the in in the living room next door? Do I just leave these mice in here? They're going to be there for the next four days, and my girlfriend's here. She's going to be freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to do here. So I decided, you know what? The, the the primal urge came over me. The primal urge to kill. Good. So I decided oh, no. to move. You killed your everything. girlfriend. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only solution. I had to, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to move everything out of the the uh, the bedroom. Uh, just absolute nightmare. Uh, trying to move everything out. Tried to block off all the exits so these mouse weren't going to get out. My girlfriend went to sleep on the sofa next door. I was like, I'm going to take care of this. So I started to chase down the mice. They're trying to escape. You know, <laughs> I sort of heard them into this sort of dead end. Um, oh my God. What, to, what I was trying to do what, what, what would you do the mice are running around you've decided to kill them uh, the urge is overtaking you Lawrence the need to, to hunt how would you try and get the mice I would I've, uh, when you live in London you get, ex- you get experience with mice right they're, they're here did, did, <laughs> they have, did they have to leave at that exact moment well I didn't want to leave them in the bedroom with my girlfriend because I thought she's here for four days by herself. She's not killing anyone. The exterminators can come around tomorrow, maybe. But I just thought, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to deal with it right now. I, I, I wouldn't know how to kill a mouse in that exact moment, but I have definitely <laughs> struggled 
with mice in a in a in a well, in a block <clears throat> of orig- flats. My original thought well, was, lads, David, do you know what would you have done? Dave's got plenty of mice. Go to the kitchen. Yeah. I would have got the biggest pan that I had with a handle. Yeah. Oh Jesus, gory! We've got a tie. Tied it round the head like Rambo. A thing that you're going to cook with later. Go on. Um, then potentially another implement with the other hand. Yeah. Maybe have you got any? Have you got a meat tenderizer? Or maybe a carving <laughs> knife, Adam. Maybe a carving. Or a carving. Knife. No, no, no. no. I thought those Dave would be just... too uh, inhumane, Dave. I know you're obviously you've inhumane. got inhumane to stab or pulverize a mouse. Adam, Adam, did they not ruin your? Did they not get in your grill? Did they not run into your they room? Get in your grill. Like, step on your territory. Bad. What I decided to do was to try and cap, you know, like almost like a spider, put a glass over them, slide something under them. You're never going to do that. Yeah, I hadn't thought ahead of that. So I was like, I'll do that. And I was like, I can't really put them outside the front door. So I resolved that if I did catch them, I was just going to lob them off the balcony. I decided that's <laughs> brilliant. more humane than Paul right there. How is that <laughs> more humane? <laughs> exactly. I don't really think if you lower the by the going a bit stir crazy. I was like, you know, this is, this is going to work it. So I'm running around trying to catch them with the glass. Like say, Lawrence, they're pretty fast can't get them you know eventually i sort of heard them behind a cabinet it's a dead end you see it was a trap so two of them are sort of herded into this very small crevice behind a, a chest of drawers i block off the exit really? so they're trapped so now they're trapped in their very small crevice. i can't really i'm struggling to see them um i'm very i don't want to move the chest of drawer away because whenever i do they sort of move they're getting a bit fishy it looks like they're going to escape what do you do in that situation then you let them live under the chest of drawers and just pay some sort of subletting fee. Good idea. Not yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, Going for the kill, Adam. What Going came to way. my mind was the hoover. <laughs> I decided that was the only way to get into that crevice. Have you got a Dyson? <laughs> it's, more of a, it's more of a Henry-esque. Oh, <laughs> a bit of a cylinder. Know. It's got a bit of a cylinder oh, in there. So my girlfriend expressed her doubt she thought you know it's gonna the mice are gonna get into that cylinder they're gonna get pulverized i said they may well do but it's 5 a.m at this point <laughs> we need to do we need to do this essentially mm-hmm. so i sort of put the nozzle down there as close as i could what about the hoover? okay i put the hoover nozzle down there right you know quite close to the mice they, they couldn't move because they were they were in a dead end essentially they couldn't escape yeah stop calling it a dead so, end all right it was a dead end yeah um, it was a trap, Lawrence. Yes, I, I know. <laughs> and so I had that moment where I was like, you know, can I do this? Can I suck them up? Can I submit them to this death? Jesus, I one last treat for them all. I'm going to suck you all up. <laughs> no. So I thought, can I do? Can I really do this? You know, it's not not the best way for them to go. In the end, I could do it. Slammed on the power button. <laughs> sort of hooded them up. Made a horrific noise. I'm like, <laughs> sure it did. Awful. <laughs> And then I was like, you know, ah, sucking them up. I was like, oh, I'll leave on for a little bit, make sure I've got them. You know, looks like they're gone. Look into the cylinder. Nothing there. Did you, you play see. the Ghostbusters it's... music? No. Okay. Nothing in the cylinder, though. So they got stuck in the nozzle. They were stuck in. <laughs> so what I decided to do was, you know, oh, this, is, this is broken now. I've done what needed to be done. Took out the nozzle. Throw the hoover uh, away. Threw the, yeah, basically threw the whole thing in the trash downstairs. Dusted my hands. I was like, I'm done now. I'm done. You know, it's 5.30, I was like, I'm not getting any sleep tonight, you know. Sweating absolute buckets, I've got to say as well, from chasing around. I was like, I was in a complete state. So I went back into the room and I was like, just check if there's one more, because I thought there might be that third one. Lo and behold, there's one more, the big mama, Jesus. running around. Motherfucker. Like, Christ. Chop the red off. The hoover's gone. My weapon of choice. Uh, <laughs> should I call Dave gone. at this point? Dave, like, Dave sounds like some sort of bloody uh, chemical alley at this point. <laughs> yeah. 
Rather than fucking mate, buy some mustard gas. Just get rid of it all. It proved so effective before it was gone. It was all gone. So I started chasing it around, and I thought the only way to do it is the glass again. So I heard it into a different dead end this time. I came very close with the glass. It, it was, it was a little bit scared. I think it wasn't moving. So I was about two inches away from it, and I thought, this is it. You know, I'm Got going it. to the. Who's faster, me or the mouse? Actually, slam the glass down. Turns out, I was pretty fast. But the mouse was pretty fast as well. Yep. Slam the glass down in the middle of the mouse. Brilliant. And it bit you. Did it bite you? No, it just crushed it in half. Oh, my God. Brutal. Nice. Good kill, Adam. Good (laughs) kill, kill, Adam. (laughs) No, it was horrific. Good kill. (laughs) It was a pretty horrific image to uh, to, to, uh, pulverise that mouse in half. I can't believe um, this wasn't a Snapchat story. (laughs) I know. It would have been incredible. (laughs) <laughs> but it was just at this point 6am by the time I caught it you know got rid of the mouse and the glass you know that had to go as well and uh, yeah that was the start of my holiday I thought you know what things can only get better from here that was horrific no sleep um, of course the storms that night meant all travel was cancelled missed my flight all this so it was pretty much the worst day ever um, but yeah, I thought it was a mildly amusing story of the mouse genocide that I committed. The exterminators <laughs> are in now. I rang up the estate and was like, yeah, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's free mice in the building. They're like, yeah, we know there's an infestation in your block. I was like, wow, thanks for thanks well, I'm not done anything about it yet. Well, now they've seen the exterminators, but it's like, yeah, everyone else is complaining. I was like, yeah, well, do, you not, do you want to tell us or send the exterminators around? I was like, well, what's going on? So, uh, yeah, they, they've got it, both barrels. For, Just uh, to let you know, Adam, the best way... And I've, had, yes. I've had some pretty bad mice problems in my time in London. How the do you best, deal with it? The best way... We got rid of... Uh, I think we probably killed a whole generation of mice. Um, oh, with, the, with the tunnels, you know, like the, there's, there's a certain trap that the mice runs through and it gets uh, poison on its fur and it pretty much kills Stop. itself. It's pretty grim, um, but that was the best method of killing mice. We tried Kills it all, itself. traps... Yeah, because they, they lick the poison on their fur and when they clean themselves and then they die. That's a more humane way to it, though, rather than getting sucked up into a hoover or <laughs> glass. So I can see why your method makes sense. I can't believe, I can't believe you That is pretty That's horrific. Yeah, not the best way to go. Um, and on that note, that brings an end to the front three. A nice little diversion right. there. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you very soon. 